Nurse! Nurse! I found a pulse! This show seems to still be breathing. Get out your headphones. It's the Cloud Evangelist Podcast. Hey guys, you're listening to another podcast on the Cloud Evangelist Podcast channel brought to you by Red Hat. My name is Richard Morrell. Tonight's podcast is quite important. You could say that it has nothing to do with open hybrid cloud, but then on the flip side, you could say it has everything to do with open hybrid cloud. Recording this tonight in Amsterdam in Holland, joined by a young chap called Robin Melweg. Now, Robin is a stalwart of the open source community. It's important that you've never heard of his name before, because the point that I'm going to try and make is that you've never heard the names of 99% of the people in the open source community or open source communities. Robin, just like everyone else in the open source community, doesn't get paid for what he does. It's his passion. Robin puts back into the community and enables others to work on upstream projects and also to be able to commit code and documentation and to take open source to the next level, but also to work with open source and education. Now, this potentially is one of the most important podcasts I've ever released. I urge you to try and listen to the end without pressing stop because if it doesn't urge you to get involved or more involved and more hands-on in open source projects or to make you think about how open source needs to be the paradigm shift that we claim it to be, then there is something wrong. Listen to the podcast at the end. I welcome your feedback. Come back later in the week. I've got a podcast coming up with Teppo, the CEO of Ixnos in Helsinki, a company who we've done a lot of work with at Red Hat. They're one of our Red Hat certified cloud provider partners. I'm going to be talking to the guys at Adobe Creative Cloud who are doing a lot of Red Hat hosting now. They're a Red Hat partner talking cloud about how they move and transition those creative workloads to the Adobe Cloud. Come back soon for more great content. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. You're listening to another podcast on the Cloud Adventures podcast channel. My name is Richard Morrell. I'm in Amsterdam, but I've been promising to do a podcast for nearly a year now with a gentleman sitting opposite me, Robin Melweg. Robin, say hello. Hi, I'm uh, Robin Melweg from the Netherlands, and, and I'm uh, meeting Richard for the first time. It's overdue, though, isn't it? I have been promising that we were going to do this before. Yeah, I think uh, for the open conference, open source conference in Amsterdam a while back. Mm-hmm. And uh, we almost met at Fostum, Belgium. We and did. So yeah. busy there. Five and a half thousand people this year. Yeah, too busy. It was my first time uh, to actually visit Fostum. And it was overwhelming um, just to get in and out of sessions, etc. So, yeah. I, I think next year they've got to organize it better because everything was oversubscribed. Yeah, it was. Um, I didn't really prepare to get into any specific session, so walking about over to the the, uh, the university campus and getting into buildings and rooms, it was just full. Uh, most of the uh, sessions were full, and for me it was just about meeting people, but I did eventually get into some uh, interesting sessions. I didn't record anywhere near as many podcasts this year as I did last year. Last year I did nine recordings. It was hard work last year. They put me in an underground cell, uh, first aid station and there were people around me being sick belgian beers pouring out of students it was horrible this year i was more practical took one microphone and did some good quality recordings which was better now open source has given me a career for the last 18 19 years and it's not something i take for granted do you feel that sometimes we do enough 
to try and educate people as to what open source is to help them get on those first steps in the open source industry or the open source community? Um, I think we're on a on a good track uh, educating people. Um, I'm actually involved with uh, opensource.com which is advocating uh, open source uh, not only as open source uh, software but also open data, open knowledge, uh, education um, but that's just one channel um, I do see uh, still things growing like uh, uh, teaching kids like uh, encoder dojos, maker spaces etc mm -hmm. that's really taking off uh, since the last few years and I think that's one of the main areas where we can do a lot more to reach more people, young people. I mean, the Raspberry Pis and the Arduinos and the BeagleBone, they've really made a difference, haven't they? Yeah, they did. Uh, we actually ran uh, Open Hardware Week um, at opensource.com, and that's where you really get to see um, how many people are getting, are getting involved in open hardware and learning how to code on Arduino, uh, Raspberry Pi, with uh, Python, all, all that kind of stuff uh, at a low level. But they're getting into open source. Last year I was on the very tertiary edges of Young Rewide State in the UK which is ongoing now and it showed me how a lot of children had never had any examples of programming. They'd used a computer but in fact the computer had used them. They'd, they knew how a mouse worked, they knew how to save a spreadsheet, they knew how to load an Xbox game but they didn't necessarily know anything else about computing and it terrified me that we've actually gone backwards in 30 years. Yeah, I think I look, if I look at my own son, he's eight. Um, he's been using his laptop for, um, he's got his own uh, for two years now. And what he's been taught at school is just using some uh, proprietary uh, software like uh, Microsoft, um, text editing, etc. And by getting involved in opensource.com, uh, I got inspired by just showing him uh, simple stuff like Scratch uh, to get people to understand programming um, and eventually also a part of open source. This is where uh, you actually see them take a turn into not being used by what you say, uh, just by a machine, by mm -hmm. a laptop, or but actually using it um, for their advantages. And he, he actually quickly uh, picked it up scratch yeah I when I was seven years old my very strict authoritarian father who he was a priest he was a, he was a Church of England Anglican vicar and he brought home a Sinclair ZX80 the first 1k didn't even have a 16k ram pack but 1k with a it plugged into the black and white television you know 10 print Richard 20 you know run go to whatever Sinclair basic that was my first real computing experience and I remember seeing uh, a boy in the same road got an Apple II Euro Plus, and the two machines couldn't have been any more different. It was like Star Wars and, and a chalkboard. It was completely different parallel universes. Here was this thing with two five and a quarter inch drives and a glowing CRT monitor, and I remember being so jealous. And that was the start of computing for me. It was exciting. And programs came in a magazine, and you had to type. The, the program out yeah then yeah. you pressed run and you got to the end and maybe there was a you know you, you mistyped an integer or whatever you'd miss some quotation marks out and you had to find where but 
that's what got us hooked and that's what made so many leaders in IT today that's what gave them the hooks now it's all about PS4s now and Xboxes and Red Hat as a, as a, as a company we survive the next generation of people who are coming in now where do we find them do we find them at university do we find them in the community um, and in the UK you know young students run up massive amounts of debt to get a degree massive amounts of debt to get a degree I don't know what it's like in Holland and I go to schools and colleges and I talk and I try and get the 13 14 15 year olds because they are on that path where they are inquisitive where they are wanting to know more and it allows us really to start getting them involved in the community but it's difficult to try and explain to a 13 year old what a community is yeah um I think it is, although uh, even my son, who is eight, is actually picking up on what is open source. If I explain what open source is, um, he does get the idea. Um, indeed, getting uh, young people into community um, might be difficult, but we've actually covered uh, some articles on how to get involved in open source, and that's usually also taking place within a community. Um, and I think even for um, coder dojos, anything like that is actually a community. It's small, but mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter how big it is. It's, it, I don't think it's that difficult. All, once they understand the concept of a community, uh, people with a common goal, um, something to pursue, uh, getting knowledge, getting uh, skills, that's the place to be. Do you have Linux user groups in Holland? Yeah, we do. Yeah, and they're still active. They're still active. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've taken my my focus away from that. Maybe I should do more. I used to go to a lot of Linux user group meetings. I founded my company Smooth all over Linux user group, and two of the guys there were 14 years old. Now one of them's a senior Linux guy at Barclays Bank. The other one's at uh, Rackspace, ex, both ex Red Hat. And I gave them their first start when they were 14 years old, and they came to work for me. And I think maybe we need to do more to get involved with lugs and to try and it's not necessarily about throwing money and swag at them but it's throwing ideas and concepts and, and reaching out more yeah um that and possibly just go about the, the same way like um coda dojas are, are a great example for me because it's it's you can almost touch it it's visible for kids it's easy to do um they got something to get into their hands and really do something um, and I think schools should do something like that as well being involved with open source.com really opened my eyes in terms of um, if I look at the Netherlands uh, not much is going on at schools in terms of education uh, skills digital skills mm -hmm. if I look at the UK and Belgium um, countries close to us they actually start programs uh, already running or starting programs to have at least a few hours uh, a week uh, in teaching kids digital skills, coding, mm -hmm. coding, um, working with hardware, that kind of stuff. I think that's where it starts, needs to start. I think maybe we can do more at Red Hat. I know talking to our open source and standards team, we of course support the dojos. Uh, we support the FUDCONs, the FLOCs, all those d the Dev Nation stuff that's happening at Summit. That's great. Um, however, I think it's getting in earlier on and also trying to influence maybe the educators, trying to be a lobbyist. I think maybe if we don't, 
where do we get the next generation of people who are going to be supporting what we do? Yeah, I follow a lot of uh, Red Hat uh, accounts on social media, and I know they're also uh, big on uh, getting uh, into universities, trying to get students involved, and I think that's really great, internships, mm -hmm. etc. And it's a great way to learn, but they might actually be too old already. Exactly, that's my point. Yeah. You need to uh, get in at 13, 14. Yeah. Um, I stood up in front of my old school. I got invited to my old school to go back to talk, which is bizarre because they never wanted to know when I was there, but they invited me back because apparently I'd done okay. And I stood up in front of a group of guys at the school, these kids, and they'd all Googled me, which is the worst thing possible. Google should never have been invented. So they knew more about me than I did. And I had to tell them the bad news, that the bank of mum and dad was closed, that life sucked, there was no guaranteed job for life anymore. They could go to university but didn't guarantee a job. What were they going to do? And I talked to them about the community and eyes glazed over because they didn't get it. I think we maybe need to sell it better. Yeah, I think... Um Community might be a step too far. Yeah. Um, just selling it like uh, incubator or something. We need something. Yeah. Simpler, um, like uh, towards kids more. Um, I'd be. I really need to look into that. Maybe, so. may, maybe this podcast is a call to arms. Maybe we're setting a challenge. Yeah. Because once you know, it's recorded. You know, we're not. It's on tape now. I can't back down now. I've said I'm going to do something. I've, I've actually now got to commit to do it. They need to look, just look at the uh, coder dojos, learn from that, and take that to the schools. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe it, maybe it needs more than just Red Hat and volunteers. Maybe it's something that we can think about doing on, on, a, on a small scale first. Okay, prove the model and make it work. Because if we don't, there is a risk that we're going to get 18-year-old children, 18-year-old young adults who are leaving college and they're leaving school, without the skills that employers need. And those skills, unfortunately, are easily replicated in Asia uh, and in China, where coding is taught. But I see other parts of Europe, Bruno, where we have in Czechoslovakia offices there, they leave school with a very, very good degree of computer usage. Okay, they, they have that ability, the Python, the Ruby, the PHP, they understand how to do that. I sat in on some UK IT courses last year and they were learning how to do a JavaScript. And that, that was the end of it. And I, I was like, well, what comes next? No, no, that was it. I was, no, 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 no. That's, that's <laughs> not it. You know, th this is the start. This, yeah. is, this is where you get their attention. Yeah. This isn't the exercise. If they do it, tick in a box. This is where you inspire them. This is where you give them the, the seed that grows. So maybe if the schools won't do it, maybe the community has to do it. Maybe companies like Red Hat and Sousa and Canonical have to help reach out and do that because otherwise, as we said, who's going to be supporting it? And in cloud, it's even worse because it's the guys who, if you, if you look at where the applications are being developed now, it's the mobile space. Yeah, right? absolutely, yeah. So they can get an SDK, an Android SDK, and they can write their Python code and they can watch it in the SDK on their laptop screen or their PC screen, which is great. And I'm all for that. I, I think that's an amazing idea for people to do. But it's more than that. It's understanding why. It's understanding why something works. It's back to basics computing. If people are intrigued by writing an app for a phone, 
or they're intrigued by making uh, a, a bread box work on, a, on an Arduino board or on a Raspberry Pi, that's great. The seed of knowledge is there and we can inspire them to do it. But also cloud has an upshot in the respect that you know, a young programming genius doesn't need to go and spend, well, he hasn't got access to a 50,000 pound mainframe, but he can get calls on AWS. He can go to openshift.com and sign up for an account use GitHub to do the cool stuff he wants. He doesn't need to have that massive, powerful machine to do all that compiling, because yep. he can do it in the cloud. Yeah. Maybe that's one of the things we need to do. Maybe we need to use the power of the cloud and virtualization to put something back. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I agree with that. And possibly uh, people like us uh, from uh, communities, from open source uh, projects, uh, taking on a mentorship and, and not waiting for schools to um, start something like this, like you said just now, but people like us taking on a mentorship and uh, approaching schools or universities or something in between and offer such programs ourselves. I talked to John Mad Dog Hall in depth last year, and he, of course, is an ex-teacher. So he's passionate about why people do stuff. And he goes all around the world talking about free software and inspiring people to do stuff, especially in Brazil. But again, it stops with us. If we don't do something yeah. as, a, yeah. as a greater community, the open source model is slightly lost. Yeah, and that's, that's where I try <laughs> my hardest, my best uh, as a member of the opensource.com uh, community. Um, trying to get open source to as many people as I can and not just shouting around but actually giving them uh, examples in open source, open data, open government like that using my knowledge which I've uh, gained in 10 years in open source all on a voluntary basis mm -hmm. just trying to do whatever I can uh, in terms of getting it there and in recent months uh, through um, some uh, content weeks we had at opensource.com uh, like uh, youth in open source and open hardware those are great weeks where we actually get to um, discover uh, what's happening in the open source ecosystem what's happening with youth in open source and that really got me thinking like should i be doing more uh, on a focused more on a focused level like um, using my knowledge that i gained to attend uh, coder dojos, schools like a mentor. Uh -huh. So yeah, I've uh, been using uh, Linux next to uh, Windows myself, Windows because of my work. Uh -huh. I can't get around it, uh -huh. unfortunately. <laughs> so it's running uh, two systems aside uh, next to each other on one machine. Um, and I'm actually trying... You're dual, boot, dual, dual booting one machine? Yeah, yeah. I, I have 17 laptops. It's <laughs> <laughs> my wife despairs i think they breed like rabbits they do the, she's always saying is that a new laptop is that another why have you got another four laptops we need to get you some hardware if yeah. we can give you an open source jacket we can find you some hardware oh that's, that's <laughs> great <laughs> no it's a dual boot yeah so and i'm trying to get my son as well uh, on uh, linux uh, waiting for the windows xp xp to expire so yeah but you've, come over, you've been over to the Red Hat offices at Rally, haven't you? Yeah, I have. That was absolutely fun and amazing. Yeah, meeting uh, people from the uh, opensource.com stuff, which was uh, absolutely fun. And so, so who did you meet? Jason Hibberts? Or? Jason Hibberts, um, Jen Wyke, mm -hmm. um, Ginny, um, 
Jeff Mechanic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those people. Robin, it's been absolutely amazing having you on the podcast. Thank you for making time to do it. You've set me a challenge now, so I have to go and do something about it. Let's see what, where we go from here. I'll be following you. Thanks. Thanks.